Hey, Jordan. What's up? How's it going? What's up, Rob? How's it going? Well, it's going pretty good. So I just asked you, how's it going? You respond with, how's it going? Is this some kind of a power dynamic thing? You're trying to it throw is. me off guard? Yeah. It's like I one see. of those handshakes where you grab with your left hand, you grab their arm, yeah. and then you just kind of <laughs> like don't right let in go. There. I, l- yeah. I love the handshake dynamics of like world leaders when they meet each other. Yeah, it's really important that why. we take a look at this. Yeah, oh, fuck. I, I just I just had flashbacks to the Trudeau Trump handshake thing and all the there were so many go. think pieces about like Trudeau is asserting his dominance by and it's just like why we why you don't have to do this we don't have to do this just the whole way that it's Trudeau thing, was held though. up as being some fucking brilliant leader because he was compared to Trump he looked somewhat competent and have all these like American liberals being like this is what a real leader looks like and just like Jesus fucking Christ that's not good. Um, that was a bad time. That's what, but they they prepare for that. Yeah, like the world leaders will like practice handshakes <laughs> and try to make their hands stronger because that was like Trump's whole thing, right? He would just like yeah. grab someone's hand, squeeze as hard as he could, and then not let go until they give up and like, pull he, them in. Was, like, too. His it was, it was like a yes. weird thing. Yeah, there was an awkward one I think with Macron where he kept trying to pull Macron in, but Macron was like stiff and ready and ready like primed. <laughs> It's just like this is this is so fucking juvenile. Yeah, <laughs> they all prepare for it. Yeah, that was not good. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, to so answer how... your question, it's going fine. You know, it's the holidays. Okay, it's been nice. It's having a nice time hanging out with the family. Holiday mindset. Holiday mindset. I did mangle my finger making Christmas dinner. That was not good. What did you make? I made a, a like a rib roast. With uh, a lot of root vegetables, some carrots, parsnips, potatoes, beets. That rocks. Uh, Brussels sprouts. It was very good. But oh, I was I was peeling some awesome. beets, and they get very slippery. And my hand slipped on the beet. And I wasn't even, like, chopping anything, but the chef's knife was on the counter. My hand slipped on a beet and slammed into the chef's knife that was just sitting there. And oh I was just pour, squirting blood all over the place in the kitchen oh while trying God. to finish doing the dinner. It was really, it was one of those, you know, one of those scenes, but it was still Yikes. good. It tasted good still. You know what I found out? What? There is a, and I'm, I'm sure listeners have heard about this and have done it, but you can get things like culinary things delivered or overnighted from like famous restaurants or bakeries all over the country. Yeah. So for my Christmas, I'm in Texas visiting my partner and her family uh, for the holidays. And I was able to overnight these like, you know, those like tri-layer Italian, like rainbow Christmas cookies. Have you ever had those? I don't think so. Like red, white, and green. Oh, I'll send you a picture of them. They're so good. I got those. I was able to get them like shipped from this like famous Italian bakery in New York. And got to have those it was like so fucking good nice. i didn't even know you could do this yeah. and apparently there's like a whole service that'll get these things and ship them to you and it, it rocks and it wasn't that expensive so you did that it, i mean that's not all we ate yeah, but that sure. was the highlight oh, for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all i could think about is those cookies well that's nice they got that uh whataburger and that's the, the big the texas chain though right i've been to texas but i never Dude. had whataburger is that is it worth the it's good is it worth checking out it's so much better than in and out okay it is so much i did find in and out kind of made like, when i was in la and i had in and out i was not it didn't meet the expectations so that i had for it i i had it whataburger once the first time i was first or second time i was here and that was in 2021 and then have like really grown to like it and now every time it's my tradition at the airport out of texas there's one in the airport right after security so like i'll go through security and head straight to whataburger and i get it every time now because it's so fucking good in and out has never been that good okay yeah yeah Yeah. i think you'd like it all right come to texas for whataburger i would love to and i would love to generally obviously i would love to go to dealey plaza and the the jfk no, dude, I'd love to. <laughs> you would I'm love it. To it's so funny. Yeah, I've been multiple times in the two years I've been dating uh, my partner. Yeah, I got to go on a pilgrimage there one day. Yeah, it's like your mecca. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Also, the Tex-Mex food here obviously slaps. Yeah, yeah, it's so I good. A, when I I loved being in Texas when I was there. It's been many years, but very enjoyable. It's so good. Is it for South by Southwest? Uh, in uh you were here for south by southwest that's yeah. pretty hip yeah yeah 
Who'd you see? I played there. You did? Yeah, yeah. I ended in up getting... The, I ended don't up getting, tell me. The, the Mission District? That's right. Mission yeah, we ended up getting a record deal it? out of that. We, we, drove, we drove from Toronto oh, to, to Austin, Texas. And because you're not allowed to like play because it's because of like border stuff. So you couldn't like do shows. So we had to drive the whole way because we weren't being paid and we had like documentation of that. So we did, we drove from Toronto to Austin, Texas for South by Southwest played a showcase there. We saw a couple of bands. We saw, we saw, um, Paramore while we were there. Um, Great. that was cool. Great. And we ended up getting a record deal and it was changed my whole life going down there. It was a crazy time. Very crazy time, but that's when I was there in, in Austin, Texas. Nice. Um, you know what I heard recently that's pretty cool that Canada is doing? They, to get more music production in the country, if you traditionally have used a producer based in the United States, if you bring them to Canada and record in Canada, you'll get a huge grant from the Canadian government. Yeah. Did you know about this? Well, I know there's a there's a number of different grant artistic grants you can get from the government. I didn't know about that specific That's one. That's so though. fucking good. Yeah. Yeah, my uh Counterparts is getting like a huge grant to record their next album in in Canada. That's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a number of different ways that it um that it does. They do promote uh you know the arts here and trying to keep those things there, although it's a it's still a little bit of a different, a difficult thing to kind of break into, but I know there's a, there's sure. still a lot of that still, even though it's been kind of getting chipped away at over the years and becomes more and more difficult. Um, you see a lot of like mainstream artists that have big record deals still getting these big grants from the government as well, in addition to the the huge major, major label support they have as well. That's kind of frustrating, but yeah, it's it's, it's something. Yeah. They, there is there is a number of things that you can do as an artist in Canada to try and get help. So I think what we need to do is register ourselves as a band in Canada. We're the Insurgents, the band, the yep. podcast, LLC. <laughs> yeah, sure. And that's what we're going to do. And Trudeau needs to send us some bucks for making this show. You get those Trudeau bucks. That's right. Yeah. I was getting those uh, at the beginning of the you... pandemic. That was nice. I miss those Trudeau <laughs> yeah. bucks, i got to say. We got nothing here. Yeah. We got nothing really here. Got nothing. Got any big plans for New Year's, Rob? Just going to hang out. Just going to hang out. I'm not, you know... I'm not a big like going out party party guy. So Yeah. Anymore. I mean I used to live that kind of lifestyle. Not so much anymore. But yeah, I'm just gonna be hanging out with the, with the family, with my partner, kinda trying to have a nice time. That's all. How about you? Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh yeah, just gonna vibe. Just hang out, do nothing. It's, I don't really like doing things on New Year's Eve. It's kinda boring. Yeah. It it's always not it's always thing. The expectations are too high and it never, whatever you do, never no. matches whatever the expectations are. It's always kind of lame and weird and often sucks. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm just glad I don't have to travel until a few days after New Year's because it's a fucking mess here. Have you been following this? Yeah. It's been, we talked a little bit about it earlier this week, but it's been in, in Canada and the US just like a fucking complete shit show. Just a total disaster. Yeah. yeah. Since we've had that last conversation, we learned a little bit more about what was causing Southwest's uh, flight disruptions. And it was that they were using such an antiquated system that they hadn't upgraded for years, despite seeing record profits, increasing executive salaries, and giving dividends to shareholders for the first time in years. They neglected their scheduling infrastructure, their digital scheduling infrastructure. And that storm wreaked such a havoc on their schedules that they actually lost track of crews and pilots to the part, to the, to, like, to the extent that they had to like manually track people, call them, find them and assign them to new flights, which is what led them to canceling thousands and thousands of flights over the span of a couple days, leaving people stranded or stuck in some locations. And I, did you see the footage of people who were at airports and as soon as their flights were canceled to prevent any backlash, like the airlines and airports had called in police preemptively to kick them out yeah. and being like, you have to get out of here. You don't have a, you don't have a ticket. And someone's like, yes, I do. And the cop would be like, your flight just got canceled. You don't have a ticket anymore. And they have yeah. to, like they get kicked out. They couldn't even talk to the customer service uh, desk. They would have to go out to the main lobby and wait in line at the ticket counter. Like what a fucking disaster. Yeah. Yeah, and pretty pretty on the nose in terms of like what the police's role in society uh, is. Oh, when you see that kind of thing. And I would yeah. really recommend people check out um, 
friend of the friend of the the pod uh, Adam Johnson has a great piece on this on his Substack, the column.substack.com, um, that digs into not just like this overall phenomenon and what happened, but the ways that these underpaid service workers and um, are put on the front lines of this. And there's all these viral clips of passengers getting, they're obviously very upset and frustrated with good reason, but taking out all that anger and frustration on these low paid service workers who have nothing to do with any of the problems and are just trying to do their basic jobs. Um, and the ways that these low wage workers are like put on the front lines of these crises, while the actual people responsible, the bosses and the people that own and operate these companies are totally shielded from all responsibility. Um, and it's a really big problem. There's all these viral posts of these like people taking tickets and these customer service people getting screamed at while the actual people that are responsible are totally just not held responsible in any way. They're not yelled at by anyone and they just certainly don't have any consequences legally or otherwise for the, the open corruption and the errors that they made to, to pr- create these problems in the first place. Yeah. Southwest Airlines has lobbied against high-speed rail for years. They've spent millions lobbying since the Biden administration took uh, took over, uh, as the Biden administration has pushed uh, for more regulation on junk fees and fees being passed on to consumers. You know, airlines especially, along with Ticketmaster and a bunch of other industries that really make a huge buck from assessing these or giving these fees, on, passing these fees on to consumers, Air- Southwest has been at the forefront of lobbying against that. You know, there is a, another good story people should check out is by Sirota uh, and Andrew Perez at The Lever. They looked into how these airlines are shielded from consumers and state regulators, and the DOT could do something about that. Pete Buttigieg had received multiple, multiple, multiple warnings from state regulators, from senators, from consumer advocates, from all these different people. Uh, Letitia James in New York, attorneys general, all these people saying, hey, look. The airlines are not responding to consumer complaints. They're not holding up their end of the deal. They're not holding up their end of the bargain. This is going to be a disaster at the holidays. And Pete went out uh, on, I can't remember what show he was on, but it was basically saying like, hey, everything's going to be fine before the holidays. Don't worry about it. And lo and behold, it's a fucking disaster. And they don't, they, they could have set up a system where airlines were penalized and had to pay fines for canceling flights for reasons beyond weather. Look, if if there's a disaster storm, okay, yes, it's not safe for people to fly. But that's not what this was. Yeah. There were delays caused by weather, but the problem was that created another issue for Southwest because of that scheduling infrastructure. So they're no longer canceling because of weather. They're canceling because they neglected their scheduling system and upgrading it, probably because it would have cost a lot of money and they wanted to maximize profits. That's where you need to step in and fine an airline. So a, a good piece by the lever there uh, also definitely recommend adam johnson's piece as well yeah um it, it really did seem like a a real disaster though so i'm i was felt fortunate that i didn't have to uh travel this holidays and be be have to experience any of that it seemed really really miserable that's what i mean you know it's like i totally understand why consumers are extremely frustrated but it's just so unfair the way the system has been set up when all that frustration gets channeled to the people the least responsible for it and the people that are the most responsible yeah. uh get nothing you know it's really it's really fucking yeah. backwards yeah some random person at the ticket counter is not your enemy <laughs> no they're not they're not responsible for you not being able to find a flight they're just doing their job and they were they're in a, a dismal circumstance because of the bosses yeah yeah absolutely should we get to our conversation with Cam Kasky? Yeah, um, it was uh, it was a good got talk with Cam Kasky. I don't think we talked about anything <laughs> that we actually intended to. We did get into the, <laughs> some of the Andrew Tate controversy, which was kind of interesting. Somehow it yeah. was, ended up being mostly about like movies and pop culture. Which hey, I'm okay <laughs> That's, with like, that. All he cares about. You know? I love I love that kid. He loves he loves that stuff. Yeah, I so mean, it w- but he also did tie it too. That's like, true. He, he came full circle at the end. Like it was pretty. He stuck the landing pretty well. That's true. And some of his takes, I, maybe I felt a little didn't agree with as much, but you oh, know, that's anything what related to Avatar. We can have, we can have you know reasonable discussion <laughs> and disagreements over here in this program. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't think less of anyone just because they happen to have a take that I find to be abhorrent. But any kind of film property or <laughs> pop culture issue, you know, it's fine. It's fine for for people to be wrong about things. You know, we can accept that. It doesn't need to be a big deal. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, but is that anything else? You know what? It's the it's the last episode of the year. It's the last episode of 2022. Um, so before we go, I would just like to say a sincere thank you. I know I've been negging the listeners recently. I would like to send out a sincere thank you to everybody that has tuned in the program this year. Uh, I think it's been a, a great year not so great overall, but it's been a great year on this podcast. We've had a number of awesome guests and great discussions. Very, very thankful. You know, while we're talking about new years and, and that kind of gratitude, that kind of stuff. Very, very thankful for everyone that tuned in the paid interns, the the free listeners, you know, uh, very, very much appreciate every single person that tuned into an episode of this uh, program during the year. We're really hoping to take things above and beyond uh, in 2023. We're upping the amount of content we're doing, expanding into doing video stuff. So uh, really, really excited about the future of the show. And just once again, just want to say thank you to every single person that tuned in this year. Um, we really appreciate each and every one of you. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been such a fun thing to work on now since the beginning of 2020. Um, really can't thank you all enough. Uh, it's been a blast. I look forward to doing these. And like Rob's saying, we have big, uh, big things coming. I think the video alone, we've already been putting out a ton of video content yeah. over the past week. Watch this we look, space. Look forward to a lot more. <laughs> yeah, watch this space. <laughs> yeah thank you everyone. well that's it it's been so i mean since starting to do this show it's just been an absolute like it's been an absolute nightmare in many ways the things that we've talked about but being able to come on here mm-hmm. each and every week and and talk through this stuff and have on such great uh and and well-informed uh guests coming on to to shoot the shit with us each week has been a, a you know really beneficial for me i hope it's been beneficial for um people uh, that that tune into the show as well you know and we're looking forward to plenty more in 2023 and with that let's get to our conversation with our friend cam katsky he's going to be joining the show right after this Wonderful start. Great great episode, Jordan. Thank you. (laughs) Cam, has Gen Z solved all the problems yet? Yeah, uh, we just actually... Well, I mean, look, Greta just took care of Andrew Tate, so that was like one of the last things on our list. Yeah. Good job, man. Hey, I, I take none of the credit. She, you know, she's a... She she took care of business. She actually took down Epstein, too. People don't know that. (laughs) It's funny to see that like f- the last 48 hours for been him great. Yeah. was trying to fight with a teenage girl. I'm sorry, or she's 19, but still effectively a teenage Look, girl. That's that's definitively teenage. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, legally, legally adult, but like she's still a child, basically, especially relative to him. Fighting with Greta Thunberg on Twitter, defending his penis size implying that he needs to just like have sex with her to set her straight and then within a matter of hours getting raided by Romanian police and getting arrested just really spectacular because hub is like insanely stupid video where he was desperately trying to like come back to this this burn and then posted a, a Romanian pizza box which led authorities to know to his location yeah truly one of history's greatest cell phone situations it's Impressive. Vince Gilligan writing. Like that's exactly what Vince <laughs> yeah. Gilligan would write as the ending for Andrew Tate. Um, but it's 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 truly remarkable because for 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 so many reasons. But there's this such a such a almost like like liberal poetic justice to Greta being the one to do it. There's something almost like Ruth Conda forever about it, if that makes any sense. Like the like Greta, who is this Gen Z hero who stands up against the bad guys. Uh, made like a like a very liberal like Brooklyn dad defiant style joke like hey small <laughs> yeah. small dick Andrew Tate which like from her is hilarious because it's it's you know there's a lot of context to her that makes that funny but from anybody else it would just be like a run of the mill not very funny comeback and even if he had absolutely won that he would still look like the biggest fucking loser on the planet. Like, even if he had crushed Greta with his facts and logic, he'd still look like a fucking loser. And he got arrested. (laughs) It's amazing. Also, like, over the past few months, not recently, but several months ago, uh, you know, as he was dealing with these bans and suspensions from various social media platforms, 
he was making the rounds on Twitch and like cozying up to a bunch of younger Twitch streamers to promote his like hustler academy like pyramid scheme bullshit. Also, like you don't know that you don't know that you don't know that it's pyramid scheme. You don't know that <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's let's not go accusing other people <laughs> of having pyramid schemes or cults or any yeah, of that, that stuff without evidence. To okay, home for Rob, that's but... something that I've been through a lot myself, <laughs> and I don't really it's appreciate called, that. It's kind called of reverse hexagon program. <laughs> <laughs> but like, also. When are we going to talk about like the people that propped him up? All these young fucking Twitch streamers and like esports clans that propped him up on their streams to like hundreds of thousands of young kids. Like did that's, those fucking that's, phase like, fuck dudes off do that? that? Did those I, phase guys do that? I don't know if it was them specifically, but he was on a bunch of different Twitch streams for people like that, like Nug Boys type shit. Uh, probably those. those that's right? a full send people, right? Yeah, it's the guy. It's like the kind of the quintessential villains, I'd say, of the internet. It was people like that. I don't know specifically. I can't remember the names of the channels, but he made the rounds a lot on channels that were like young, like Gen Z kid content, which is just so fucking like seedy and like yeah, fuck those sense. streamers for even for even having him. I mean, look, man, like people like Nelk Boys and Logan Paul, they've had everyone. They've had like like Shapiro and all the way right of that. Like that, it's part of the beautiful podcast industrial complex where free thinkers are going out and you know making their voices heard, like you, like us, all, like all of us. We're just like them, um, and I think it's something that should be celebrated. <laughs> but what I never want to do is that I disagree. But that's just maybe I hate, a little different. I hate that though, where someone does something insane or awful or disgusting to get attention, like Andrew Tate. That's his whole game, and then people will just have him on because they get views from it. Because people will even hate watch. Like no, just I condemn the like, shit. Yeah, but I I, I kind of peek here and there. But like I hate that that's a thing that all these people just will have the worst people on. Do you know Jordan Peterson's song that was like a bunch of that sounded like a bunch of scary little children singing about Justin Trudeau? No, no, Rob might. Do you know, but Rob, you know, I the, think I missed that one. Yeah, oh my god, there's this fucking hilarious Jordan Peterson song, and I feel terrible because him getting money is you know uh, us funding this cultural Bolshevism monster, but. It's so funny. It's such a funny song to play for people. I send it, like, if I'm flirting with somebody, I send it to them, that type of thing. How does that go? Does that work well? Normally not very well, but (laughs) that actually, I I want to rewind a little bit. The the degree to which, and this is come, you know, I'm in my early 20s, so that's that's where you get a lot of young men who are um, otherwise, you know, normally otherwise good, well-intentioned, good Samaritans. Uh, falling for some dumb shit. I know some guys who are European, came to America within the past five, ten years, uh, you know, may- maybe even ESOL, like, pe- people people who are just kind of getting around here, and a lot of people show me Andrew Tate videos, and a lot of people show me clips from uh, the Matt Walsh piece of shit, what is it, uh, What who who is a woman, what is a woman? Yeah, yeah. They show me that, and it's people who I know are not people who are looking to consume right-wing content. As a matter of fact, there are people who, upon hearing that it's right-wing, either get defensive or are surprised and confused. And it's really fucking shocking to me. Yep. Like, a- Andrew Tate and all these other guys, it's... I feel as though it's been characterized as this kind of, like, 18-year-old little Ben Shapiro fact lord, like the kid from the first Knives Out movie... Uh, who are consuming this right-wing content and like Andrew Tate and all these other guys are really only going after the Capitol Riot Jr. people. But no, it's fucking normal guys that I know. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, just, just what you were saying, Jordan, I think that's it speaks to a big problem in like, you know, live streaming and social media. Like even people that were bringing people, not just Andrew Tate, but like other detestable right-wing figures on to like debate them, to own them. And like that accomplishes something other than just boosting their platforms. Um, and I, that's a lesson that I wish people would start to learn a little bit more that like you don't need to bring on Andrew Tate or fucking any of these alt right piece of shit, you know, maniacs. Uh, it doesn't actually accomplish anything to own them in the, in this, in the field of debate. Uh, it actually only helps them to reach new audiences and, and build their platforms. And I think, yeah, to, to something more seriously, like what Cam's saying, like there is definitely something 
wrong, I think, when young men are starting to look towards people like Andrew Tate or like Jordan Peterson or Matt Walsh or any of these people as like models of masculinity. Like, I don't know what the answer to that or the solution to that is. Cause you just, you see people like fucking Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate. And like, even on the level of being like these hyper masculine figures, it's just like, what is like, what are people seeing here that I'm not seeing? Cause these, both of these guys just seem like fucking goofballs, not only with dangerous <laughs> ideas, but literally like annoying weirdos. They're not um, even what they say. Not they charismatic. Are. Yeah, exactly. That's what I don't get. And like, there's, there's really something going on that needs to be addressed when young men, confused young men are, are looking to these people and attaching themselves to them as like these idols of masculinity. Like it's really not good. I don't but know what the solution is. It's also interesting because there's this very blurry line and I see this with, with the guys that I know who are showing me this stuff. Um, there's this very blurry line where even I can't tell what degree to which they are agreeing with it and what degree to which they are laughing at it. Because when they're around me, you know, I'm considered the like liberal leftist crybaby of, of a lot of my friend groups. And then a lot of my other friend groups, I'm considered like the neoliberal sellout shill who might as well go work for Raytheon. So I don't know. Um, but, uh, that's the it, sweet spot. Yeah. Exactly. That's when you know you're right. You, you want, you want to be the, the most left wing and least left wing of, of, of various friend groups. But, um, with with some of my friends who like know that I'm the PC baby who will get mad about stuff, which is objectively funny because I'm like an edge lord. But um, they, they they'll sh- sh- show these Andrew Tate videos, and the second I start to press on it, you know, there's the semi convincing degree to which they're entertained by it, and I I don't know what they're agreeing with, what they are subconsciously agreeing with, but convincing themselves they don't agree with. It's it's so fucked up because those people who are entertaining are entertaining. And Andrew Tate isn't charismatic. He's not smart. The same way people think that like Ron DeSantis is a good speaker. He's not. But like, yeah, these this is inter- this shit is entertaining to people. I'm entertained by by watching. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. The only thing I've really watched was him with Hassan Piker, who mopped the floor with him. Uh, and that didn't get me to watch any Andrew Tate videos. Didn't get me to share any Andrew Tate videos. But that was all I had seen was Hassan clowning his ass. I don't know whose mind those types of debate debates actually change. I'm not I've never really watched them in full. Um the only one I was kind of intrigued by was like Zizek versus Peterson because I just knew Peterson has no idea what he's talking about and thought it would be funny. Uh what but didn't even that? watch that. That was a couple years ago. But like especially the ones that are just like kind of like loose just Twitch streams where they're yelling at each other that aren't tightly moderated. You know, we're not having like the like the intelligence squared style debates where you have a yeah. prompt and people vote it and just stuff. Sucks. Yeah, Cross it's just fire. like it's people just like performing for their audience and then and then like even in like I saw clips of the Tate one where he's like, Bro, look, the chat is all agreeing with me and it's like, Yeah, when you just like fill the ranks with people who already like you or already support you, you can you can fall on that to justify that you're right. But it's all just a performance. Like I think Jared Holt said it's called blood sport. Like online, it's like the nickname for that kind of stuff is just blood sport where they just go on and just argue and perform on camera. And that's it. That's that. But like Rob and, was saying, and it then just helps their both brand. Sides inevitably, yeah. Both sides inevitably just say like, well, I won and the other guy lost and no one yeah. is really convinced. And, and everyone is just further entrenched in their ideas and nothing really, nothing really and comes of it. Dozens of other YouTubers will make videos being like X person yeah. destroys Y person. And then yeah, the, the reaction, the other, reaction yeah. to the reaction. It's just like, so <laughs> stupid. It's awful. It's hard because it's like, you know, as we, you know, we're on those platforms and it's an easy way to build a big audience and it's a, it's an easy way to, get yourself in there and, and, and put yourself into these kind of, uh, uh, situations. But it's like, it's, it's so unhelpful. I just, I'm so allergic to doing that. We're never doing say, that though, here. Speaking of being, <laughs> we will never do that. <laughs> no, no, never debate. That's my, it's my strategy. Uh, my, my, uh, my mantra, but speaking of being entertained by the Andrew Tate downfall thing, I mean, that's, it's, you, it's undeniably entertaining. Did you folks, did you two know that? So the, the, organization in Romania tasked with going after Tate and other human traffickers or alleged human traffickers, I should say, is known as the group of experts on action against trafficking in human beings, also known as the acronym Greta. No way. (laughs) No way. That's the group. That is the group 
responsible for for going after human trafficking in Romania. Wait, so it's a she's couple got of shooters, Gretas. man. Tag team by a she's couple got of Gretas. shooters. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, you know, get us in any legal trouble. Um, as somebody who's watched a, a, new, a number of television shows about the law. But w- without without committing libel or defamation, can you like explain to me like I'm five what it's, it's, he's like in trouble for human trafficking, right? And I talked to people; they said that he this is like already people already knew this. I knew nothing about this. Yeah, I think this is like a commonly known thing. I have tried to av- av- like avoid as much information as I can about this person. Uh, just I find it very unpleasant to think about you know some of the things we were talking about earlier. So I actually don't know the details of it. Like Jordan might, but I'm I'm not really sure either. It's more just that I saw people saying like, yeah, this guy's been accused or convicted of human trafficking, and I just look at some of the things he says and I say, yeah, okay, that makes sense to me, and I just kind of accept it and move yeah, on. Yeah, his his women deserve it. it. His women deserve it. Message is not going to yeah. play well in court uh, when he's in trouble for human trafficking. No. Uh, yeah, if he even faces prosecution. I think the reason he went to Romania was because uh, he felt they had much more lenient, uh, a much more lenient criminal justice system. And I think he was in Dubai for a little bit, but it seems to have caught up with him. And I think it's hilarious. And, he should go to Russia. To human tra- right. I think when it comes to human trafficking, that's actually correct. So he must have really fucking done some horrendous, <laughs> heinous shit if he's getting, if he's getting flagged for it in fucking... <laughs> Romania. Uh, but like, you if know? you think about it, if he called Vladimir Putin and said, I will fight for your army, your and, and Andrew Tate, it, look, say what you will about him. He's got muscles. Uh, <laughs> and he said, I will do two years for your army. Heaven knows you need it. Uh, and then you'll let me be a citizen there. Steven Seagal did it. Steven Seagal became like a, a, a Putin champion. Why? And Andrew Tate wouldn't lose any fans. Probably not. He'd probably get more. Uh, I must say, though, like like to to something I was saying earlier, talking about when, you know, people getting pulled into this. I saw that tweet from him from a few days ago where he's acting like he's fucking Morpheus or something. There's something wrong. It's like a splinter in your mind. And that's what's brought you to me. And I think it really does speak to something like just in our society, in our culture that is rotten, that people do understand that that things are not fair. Things do understand that, like, especially young generations are being screwed over. That's absolutely true. Um, but I think it speaks to how like the actual answers for that, that the power centers that are responsible for, you know, immiserating people and, and for and for ensuring that future generations have these like horrible futures to look forward to because yeah. we're not really ever able to articulate that on a mainstream level. It leads people to seek out these answers elsewhere because they know something's wrong. They turn into mainstream media, which is or people like Steven Pinker saying, like, no, actually, everything's fine. And you're crazy for thinking that things are bad. And then you know, you that know what it leads is. them it's, to seek out people like Andrew fucking Tate as the you, answer. Your guys is you guys are of advanced age, so your generation. No, um, that's, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, no, but in all seriousness, you're, you're you know millennials. I think grew, really inherited the same world that Gen Z is inheriting, but millennials got to become old enough to process it in a way that we didn't. So, you know, they, yeah. they say like, oh, Gen Z, you're stepping into a horrible world that's been ruined by us. It's like, no, that was actually the millennials first. But the millennials were like 10 uh, when 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 things really started to drop. Uh, so so millennials well, got to become adults and process this. Whereas we are, we're, we're turning like 18 and being like, oh, we're not going to have houses. And <laughs> we're not going to like, maybe make it past 70 years old we don't really know what got put in our food um we don't like all of our parents and grandparents were when they were young eating shit that had nothing in it uh and now we're just eating only chemicals uh the water's all microplastics only microplastic the water's only microplastics the air is probably microplastics uh and and just pure crude oil uh, and we're just so fucked, but you guys are just as fucked and you guys are just as bereft of having the opportunity to have a fulfilling life as our generation is. You guys just got to have like a couple years of uh, development before that really yeah. sunk in. Well, that's yeah. the thing. I'm a geriatric millennial, so it's like I'm right on the cusp of, of Gen X. Um, but that's the thing. I, I came of age in the 90s, and that's the thing. We were the last generation where it's like, oh, no, things are going to continually get better. Like you're going to have a better quality of life than your parents. It's going to be easier to get a home and not harder. Uh, you know, things are going to continually improve. And then like we watched that just kind of evaporate. 
you know, whereas your generation is just coming of age during that period of like, oh, no, it's, it's totally hopeless. And we just need to accept that. That's why we go. That's why we are so lucky is to be able to go to the theaters and get some escapism and go to Pandora for three hours. Thank that's you for right. the segue, Cam. I know it. Rob really was itching to talk about how he went to see Avatar 2, The Way of Water again last night. Round two. Yeah. Have, have you seen it, Cam? Yeah. Once. Yeah. Like, that's too much. But okay. <laughs> yeah in, I, I, enlighten I mean me, first of all i wasn't i wasn't planning on talking about it again i've talked about it plenty <laughs> fucking lance from the surfs yesterday was was laughing at me and i was getting genuinely mad from <laughs> lance's <laughs> provocations uh it, i managed to keep it together keep my cool because uh-huh. i'm a professional broadcaster but well, let me see if i could break you <laughs> i don't think so um but no i just i mean i enjoy, i i love the film uh i'm a big james cameron fan as i've been saying i think he's one of the all-time best uh you know filmmakers and i think just on like a technical level it's just enjoyable to go watch it uh it's just an incredible technical achievement even if you do find the story not engaging or if you don't connect to the whole family angle in this new film i think just in terms of like witnessing the the 3d and the the performance capture on that level alone it's a it's a really fun experience what do you think of it cam i i think that People work so damn hard in this country that to say that they wasted their money is so not fair because it's really up to them to decide. But uh, I think it's just – I think it's 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 cool to like look at the blue guys for like 90 minutes. If I were – if you haven't seen the movie yet and you're considering it, I would say go watch the first hour and a half uh, because everything you're going to get out of the movie is contained in the first hour and a half. And if you enjoy it, feel free to stay. But if you're like, oh – I don't really know any of these people's names and I don't know why I'm, I don't know what any of their personalities are and I don't know who Sully is. Like, what does he want? It, why is there kind of a conservative message to this movie about a guy basically putting a lot of people in danger just to protect his family and himself specifically with his gun, uh, putting his own interests really ahead of the interests of an entire tribe of indigenous people living in, on the, on, on the water? Um, he's like, oh, okay, they're coming after just me, so I'm gonna put all these people in the line of fire, because uh, I have got my gun and I've got my family and I've got my white boy with dreads, and we're gonna save the galaxy together. And then the white boy <laughs> with dreads who hates his stepdad, which, by the way, making making a white boy with dreads hate his stepdad is very stereotypical <laughs> of certain <laughs> sides of our culture. Um, yeah. so so unbravo to James for that one, but. So, but then the white the white boy who hates his stepdad is one of the stupidest characters I've ever seen in a movie. His name is Spider, although we never see spiders on Pandora, so we don't know where that word comes from. Maybe it came from 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 Jake. Maybe he was like, "Oh, this baby reminds me of a spider from back home." His name is Spider. He's a white boy, white blonde boy with dreads, and none of the decisions he ever makes make really any sense. He looks like a fucking idiot next to all the blue people. Um, and, and then at the end of the one minor correction is that some of them are teal. So just to make, just to be clear on that, (laughs) this is is what I get for not going to film school. Uh (laughs) It's a great Uh, movie. It's it's a great movie to look at for 90 minutes. I have sensory problems that there's too much going on. It gives me a little bit of a headache. Um, but ironically that wasn't happening with the plot. The plot actually was not, was really nothing. It was, Okay, so we're good. we need to hunt this guy down. So we're gonna kill the whales for two reasons: one, because their brains have beauty products in them, and two, because that'll make the guy come out. Because we think, what what did you what happened in that movie, Rob? What was it about? I mean, it's a it's a movie that's about how you know extractive capitalism is is pure evil, and that. Um, you know, organizing militantly, violently against uh, against these forces is a morally correct thing to do. I'm actually kind of with you a little bit with some of the. We're getting into spoiler territory now. I'm sure we're trying to avoid this for our listeners here, but but that's, there's, I, I was, don't think you I can spoil little... the movie because I watched the movie and nothing happened that felt like a piece of the story. It just all felt like pictures. I I actually kind of agree that the whole plot that gets into Jake kind of leaving and and you know joining the joining the uh, the sea tribe was maybe a little contrived overall though I just really got sucked into the family angle I thought the the actors were good um I do enjoy the political message of the film I thought the whole th- the last hour or so was really thrilling what a really great uh extended action sequence 
where a lot of the the stakes are raised because of this family that's been introduced. And I guess that's it for me, uh, Cam. Like, if you don't buy into that whole family angle and you don't like like spending time with well, the, the characters, and you don't Weaver... really care about what happens. But did you see it, Jordan? I did, so I was I was really into it. No, did you see I, it, Jordan? I, and I will not. Fucking Sigourney Weaver plays like a little girl, and it's so bizarre. And it's like, I think I'm supposed to be amazed by it, and I think I'm supposed to. Be, be think that the technology is so amazing, but I was like, this is like in The Incredibles 2 when Violet, the daughter, is voiced by the same actress from Incredibles 1 who is very clearly 14 years older because she sounded a lot more like a little girl in The Incredibles 1. And you can't watch it without thinking like, oh, this is just like a fully grown adult. I think it was more than 14 years. Maybe it was 14 years. Um But with Avatar, it's like, the, the real thing for me was that Avatar 1, which I for some stupid reason watched before I saw Avatar 2 as if there was like anything to – I needed to know other than there's blue aliens, which is all you need to know. Um, but I watched Avatar 1 and the stakes – the movie is like the, – the, the, spe- the spectacle is smaller, but the stakes are so much higher. In the first movie, you're like, OK – if the people on Pandora lose, there's going to be an ecological climate disaster where, I mean, countless people from this planet are displaced. Many people are going to die. Our environment is going to be permanently damaged. And you feel as though it's really kind of the end game at the end of the movie. But in Avatar 2, you're watching it and it's like, okay, there's whales and we don't want them to die because they're animals. Um, but – and we don't, and we definitely don't like the capitalism. I agree with you on that. And capitalism, by the way, is the villain of the Vince Gilligan franchise. But you're watching the movie, and it just feels like you, there's no stakes because you kind of know that there's going to be five more of these where they're doing the same thing. So you're watching it. And <laughs> is you're that like, how oh, many I, they're going to do? There's they, yeah, they're doing they're, four more. Oh my god! So you're and like, I'm gonna go wh- see every single one. But there's oh, nothing man. about there's nothing about it that made me go like. Oh, that's why I need to watch more of this. It's like, is every movie going to be the, the the same bad guy from the first one, and 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 then and then this like actor who couldn't get work in anything other than Avatar because he's not a good actor, Sam Worthington. Like, what have you seen him in besides Avatar? Other than some, I think he was in a Terminator movie that flopped. Was he in a Fast and the Furious movie? Well, he, there was an interesting time when he was in that movie because uh, I think Matt Damon turned it down. And then he, they tried to make him the centerpiece of a bunch of franchises that never really took off. He was kind of one of those well, Hollywood he's a guys bad actor. for like – Because he's a bad actor and that's why he wasn't in anything except I like him Avatar. in this movie though. I, he was I totally of, enjoyed his performance in this movie. I thought it was pretty entertaining. I think you might – I think uh, to tell you the truth, not, not I don't want to try and get in your head. Uh, that doesn't even work. I, I can only get into he's Americans' heads. He's head. a brick wall. But it's like well, ultimately, it's just subjective. You know, it's just at a certain point we're doing debates. Like we're, debate. is, we're doing the, the blood sport. We're doing yeah. the thing that we said we weren't going to do. Yeah. Now we're no, debating but, on Avatar. Well, well this isn't it's, about. This I, isn't, I enjoyed it. It's fine if, you, if other people don't. That's okay. It's not like one of us is saying trans kids shouldn't be allowed on school buses. I'm saying that <laughs> Avatar was a bad movie. Um, made with brilliant. That's that's the thing about it, though. It's like the spectacle and the VFX are so breathtakingly gorgeous that you're like. I can't believe nobody said this is worthy of a more intelligent script. Like, if you're going to put that much work and effort into it and make the script so juvenile, why not just have fuck well, Chat Chat GPT write the movie? It felt like Chat GPT wrote the movie. Like, there there wasn't anything personal in it. I didn't know who who had feelings that people in the audience were also going to have. Somebody died. That was sad. I don't like it when people die. Especially well, too I guess young. that's kind of what I was saying. It's like if you don't if you don't buy into that family angle, um, then it doesn't really work. Uh, I did though. I got totally absorbed by that, and uh, that's that's the main reason why I thought this like like what you were saying with the climax. Even though the stakes in terms of like the actual big battle that's happening is maybe lower because you care about this family at the center of the film, the stakes actually end up getting raised. But if you don't care, then it, it doesn't work. You know, I'll tell you this: and that's ultimately up to. Up to each individual. I, I really wanted to care because I'm an intern. All right, so twenty two dollars <laughs> is not chump change for me. You know, sure. twenty two dollars is a serious consideration for me. I am an intern <laughs> in Los Angeles, California. I'm not in. I'm in Florida right now, but in Los Angeles, <laughs> California, it's not a cheap place to live. Uh, you know what I watched last night to break from Avatar talk uh, <laughs> that I've watched 
several times and i i really like it even though it's kind of campy and didn't get great reviews i watched the first purge movie again last night uh, i i Prophetic. really i like that movie a lot and it's also really funny it came out in 2013 at the very beginning with the title card and it's giving you kind of like the premise it's like the year is 2022 <laughs> and uh, crime is at one percent and i'm just thinking like oh this is what they thought the world not they legitimately thought the world was going to be like but it's funny that they thought that 2022 we'd have this like completely different universe where uh we've reduced crime through this annual purge night uh, there's a few of the newer ones i have not seen i've watched the first like three and i really want to eventually get to those i'm not a big movie or tv guy but i did like i love the premise of those movies i think it's great five bags of popcorn that's what i say that's what oh, i rate for, the the, for that movie for five bags wow five it's a five bagger it's <laughs> uh, high very reviews. rare yeah no pur- purge <laughs> movies are fun i mean they are fun did you watch so there's this one that takes place on the border and the politics as i'm sure you can imagine are all over the place like I don't really – I couldn't really tell what they were going for because any story that has uh, any sort of minority using a gun to defend themselves, the first question you ask is like, is this like one of those Daily Wire movies that's like Die Hard in a school shooting? Do you know about the Die Hard in a school shooting one? No, no. Shut I, the I fuck. Think I remember, yeah, I think I remember seeing like the trailer you, for it. you got to watch it. It's so funny fucking hilarious there's a movie that daily wire made. wasn't it like a girl like the a girl diehard situation isn't that like the yes. woke mind virus woke agenda though like no ba- you're mary be- sue kind of, kind of thing i thought they were against that kind of thing over how, the daily how, wire how how dare you we're not against that over at the daily wire my my <laughs> sister my sister abby is a leader um so quiet your mouth um that's where that's no, where his internship run, is run high yeah <laughs> Um, Run, Hide, Fight is really worth checking out. It's, it's one of, it's, I watched it with like a bunch of my friends who I was also an attendee at a school shooting with, like it was the Super Bowl. It was the funniest thing we've ever seen. It's the, it's this like school shooter who is just this actor trying to do Heath Ledger Joker from The Dark Knight, which in all fairness, a lot of mass shooters try to do. So bravo, Ben. Um, but it's this like mass shooter doing this kind of voice. You know, and there's this girl who is, you know, because guns are good for women. You know, women are never shot by their spouses. Guns are great for women. So it's this young woman using a gun to uh, protecting her school from these school shooters. But then she has these dream sequences where she sees her mother who died of cancer. Um, And as the movie goes on and this young woman continues to defeat these school shooters, her mom progressively, even though she's already dead, heals from the cancer. So when she first sees her mother's ghost, she, she, she is, is completely taken by the chemo. The chemo has her looking very unhealthy. She's lost her hair. She's very sickly. And then by the end of the movie, when the girl saves everything, her mother, it looks like she doesn't have cancer at all. So she cured her mom's heaven cancer by nice. stopping the school shooting. And it's, okay. it, that's awesome. Have, I mean, you guys have read Ben's book, right? True Allegiance. <laughs> no. I've seen some some snippets. I have, unfortunately I haven't thumbed through the whole thing, but it's just too advanced Dude. for me. Yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, you guys, the you reading, guys, need, my reading level's not high enough. You guys need to get in with the times. Get do what Gen Z's doing, and um and that's reading True Allegiance. Uh, but it's like that. I I think conservative fiction and fantasy is is gets a bad rap. It's it's some of the better comedy you'll see. Uh well. You know, I'll put it on my reading list for 2023, uh, and I'll, I'll have it. I'll have a book report to you soon. Uh, I don't think I'm going to watch that movie though. It sounds it sounds atrocious. Uh, do you watch? Bad. Do you watch Saul Rob? I haven't finished the series. Um, so good. I've got to watch the last season still. I still haven't gotten around to watching that last season, but I've seen most of it. Yeah, so Cam seen... was like my gu- my 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 guide through my watch through of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, yeah, okay. it, yeah. it I, I binged a lot of it this summer because I had, I had not watched it for a few years, um, and then I binged a lot of it this summer, and I, I got to I think episode eight of the previous, the second to last season, which I know is a super intense episode, and I've just been like waiting for the right moment to like watch it's this ba- episode and continue it's with bag, it. Man. And I haven't done it yet. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a crazy episode. It's a it's a big 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 journey yeah. for Saul, Mike, like and the gang. Yeah, I haven't been in the right mindset to to go forward with it yet 
It's well, so look, good. Just to round out our conversation before we all have to, to go, it's a very similar thing you see uh, with Andrew Tate and his effect on young men and the types of young men who scream about how Heisenberg's wife is the villain of Breaking Bad. Do you remember the stories of Anna Gunn and all of the death threats yeah, she yeah. received? People calling her horrible things, horrible words. You didn't know that, Jordan? She didn't no. even like just stand a- idly by and accept her husband's like rampant criminality and abusive behavior. It's just one of these. Eventually, she helped him launder women's. money. Yeah, look, look it up. She Anna Gunn, the the one of the greatest actresses on TV who plays who played Skyler. She wrote a New York Times or like New Yorker or something op ed about like the people how people treated her in public and death threats and all these things because they hated Skylar White. That's uh, insane. That is so it's insane. It's a weird thing about a lot of these kind of anti-hero characters and people identifying with them even like when it's very explicitly from the creators being like no these are bad people like you're actually okay, not well, you're supposed to cheer for them to be to for their downfall and people are identify with the bad people and Cam then, Cam asked Vince Gilligan about uh the I am the one who knocks scene Will you share that story? It, well, it's what Vince Gilligan says about I am the one who knocks. It, it's the writers of, of that scene and of Breaking Bad. Sorry, I love that I could look like Palpatine with this. Uh, <laughs> the writers of that scene and of that uh, – they, they always say that people talk about how the I am the one who knocks scene, which for any of you who are losers and don't deserve our time and haven't watched Breaking Bad, is a scene where Heisenberg, one of the most notorious villains on television, uh, verbally abuses his wife while he's very, very scared that um, Giancarlo Esposito, who played um, Buggin' Out in Do the Right Thing, as well as some other characters – uh, he's he, Walter White's afraid he's going to die, so he says, "I am the one who knocks," while referring to someone who knocks on the door and shoots somebody. Yeah, yeah. And people think it's the most badass thing in the entire world. They're like, "Yeah, Heisenberg, the one who knocks, baby." Um, but it's the writers are like, "No, that's like was written to be one of the most pathetic moments in television. That was written to be a pathetic, sad moment that's awkward, where you see this." desperate man who's so horrified of death and he's so horrified of the control he doesn't have over his circumstances so he takes it over his head yeah so in over his head that he takes it on his wife and you know that's that goes back that harkens back to the whole thing about heisenberg which is you know people talk about how the world is why we got heisenberg and the world you know screwed walter white over and it's like no the whole point of the show and of better call saul which goes back to make that point not only about saul but also again about walt is this is 100 fucking percent their choice and it's the same thing with these andrew tate men who think and and you know incels will q and on whatever these these young men who think that uh there's a specific group of people, be it women, be it the chads, be it, you know, uh, whatever it is that's hurting them. When it's capitalism, Saul and Breaking Bad, two of the best TV shows of all time, and two shows that right-wing people love. Right-wing people love Breaking Bad and Saul um, because the, in, the, in their own fantasy, these are shows with conservative values. These are shows about rugged individualism and determination and all these other things about how the government is incapable of doing, you know, uh, the, the nanny state doesn't work. But Saul and Breaking Bad are so explicitly shows about how capitalism is responsible for all of these things. Like yeah. Walter White is always doing what he's doing because having more money makes him feel like a bigger man. And Gus manipulates Walt. He gives the speech where he says, a man provides for his family because that is what a man does. He provides. And, you know, conservatives see that and they're like, man – that this is why Gus is so successful. This is why he's so rich, as he knows. And it's like, no, Gus sees that this is a desperate, like pathetic man who's got such toxic masculinity in him that if you say something as juvenile and fourteen-year-old Ben Shapiro as a man provides for his family and makes money, you can get him to do whatever the fuck you want, including cook meth and get himself nearly killed all the time. So, moral of the story is watch. Better call Saul. It's so good, Rob. And I, I yeah, really yeah, hope. No, I'm looking forward I to hope Bob it. Odenkirk finally gets a gets a Emmy for the for his performance because like <laughs> especially the final couple episodes, he's spectacular, and he deserves it. And he, he almost and, fucking and, died doing it. And he outdoes, <laughs> oh yes, that's right. He outdoes Brian Cranston. There, I said it. Saul goes down. Saul goes down is better than Walt. It's true. 
Oh, his character is a more compelling really character. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I think you see him like whereas Walt just like embraces the evil right away and even has a chance to walk away from that lifestyle in the very first few episodes and deliberately chooses not to and and uh, rejects that offer. You could have all the money. It's not about health care and not having money for health care because he has that offer. Whereas you with uh, Saul, you see this kind of complex series of events where he's really desperately trying to be good and he's trying to hold on to that well, good version of himself. And the more he tries to hold on to it, the more it slips through his fingers until he ends up I, going down that path. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but what I'll say is what you learn by the end of Saul is that, you know, at first we're like, okay, Heisenberg is this mask that Walter White puts on. But no, Walter White was the mask. Heisenberg yeah. is his true yeah. self. He is truly – that's why he works – that's why he worked at a, at Grey Matter, but he left because he, he felt smaller than Gretchen and Elliot. He worked at a lab, left there too. He ended up as a high school teacher because he needed to be in such control of every single thing around him, which by the way thematically ties a lot to chemistry, that – it, it fucked him over all the way to a high school class, which being a high school teacher is a great thing, but that's the place where you know you're in charge and you, and it has to be your rules. So that's who Walt really is, is Heisenberg. Walt was who this man created to, to be an acceptable person to society. And then he gets cancer and he says, fuck it, I'm going to be who I really am. And that's Heisenberg. But, but we watched Better Call Saul and we learned that Saul is not his true self. Jimmy McGill is his true self. Saul yeah. is the mask. And that's the kind of different uh, – that's why yep. I think he's so much more compelling than Heisenberg is like Heisenberg is is a villain who finally gets to be a villain and Jimmy McGill is a good guy who becomes a villain and, and you'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean even the first couple seasons of Saul, he's like he's, – he, you know, he's still doing his schemes and scams but he's still like fiercely loyal to Chuck who – ultimately knows who he is and sees through a lot of the charades um and is worried about his integrity and as much as people might not like Ch- might not like chuck or feel like he didn't appreciate uh jimmy's character or jimmy's role in his life and all that kind of stuff like he's yeah he was kind of right like he saw through all these little like schemes and and whatever he was up to to make a quick buck or get ahead in life but it's also kind of pushed him down that path yeah. when when Jimmy's trying to be better and trying to show that he's changed. The more Chuck refuses to see that, the more he pushes him back into that exact kind of lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah. listen, if you're if you're listening to this broadcast right now, the amount of money it'll cost for you to either get a membership to Netflix or AMC Plus <laughs> to watch season. I think it's Netflix. I don't think AMC Plus has it. Uh, to watch season one of Better Call Saul, or if you would like to purchase the episode separately. Uh, on another digital service that will three episodes of that which is three hours will cost you it's actually just out the three hours will cost you less than one ticket to avatar <laughs> which is for babies it is a stupid movie for idiots so you could either watch three episodes of a show that not and not only that it continues to pay off for years and years and years and there's dozens of episodes compelling characters stories that make sense characters that are real an actual message about capitalism and not a thinly veiled waste of space james cameron neoliberal fantasy uh where george bush is still the biggest villain we have in this country um then watch better call you can Saul. do both i think you can watch both of these things <laughs> well you're you expecting a lot from totally your, fine yeah, you're yeah, expecting your listeners to be in a better financial spot than some people might be in so i'm just trying to be pragmatic thank you yeah, they they need five dollars to subscribe to the show, and then three dollars to get the first three episodes of the Better Call Saul. <laughs> and and you're That's you're all essential. welcome. I have to hop, but um, I uh, real quick for everybody, there was also a problem with the airplanes. <laughs> we'll get into that at the beginning. Thank you, Cam. Where can people find you and and, and follow you? They can follow me to hell. See y'all soon. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. 